Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Well, I'm delighted right now to be speaking with author Tracy Foster Francis here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Tracy, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Congratulations on having a new book out called Raising Someone Special. And this truly is a special book, Tracy. Could you tell me all about it? Actually, the book was inspired by my daughter, Casey, who is now 22. The book kind of walks through life from birth to the age 18 when we first discovered that she was someone special and all of the trials and tribulations that we encountered along the way. Hmm. What kinds of readers were you speaking to here, Tracy? Honestly, anybody. General Hmm. public, people that maybe don't know what it's like living with someone who has special needs. Also to the parents of those who have special needs, because it's just a very frank and honest look at what day-to-day life is like. I think sometimes I maybe say the things that other people want to, but are afraid to. Mm. You know, I talked in there about how, you know, grief and loss is a thing when you have a special needs child. And a lot of people have never thought about it or made that connection. It could be teachers. It could be doctors. I mean, just anybody who might interact with or want to know about someone with special needs or their parents. Well, Tracy, can you go back and think about that time, that moment when you said, you know, I really got to sit down. I got to get started on this book. I got to write this thing. Uh, How did that come about? Actually, I had a friend of mine who had written a book herself and I had been throwing the idea around and she was just, you've got to do this, do it, do it. And so I was like, all right. So I just kind of sat down and started putting words to paper and, you know, just kept at it. And before I knew it, it almost looked like a book, felt (laughs) like a book. Are you experienced in this field? Have you ever written or been published before? I have not. This is my first go at it, and it's been nothing short of amazing. I have gotten so much positive feedback from people that I know locally, you know, and friends and such that have read the book that they just have been so, so supportive. Mm. So being your first book, did this take a really long time, the whole process, to get it out there? The whole process, like writing the book itself, I don't know, year, year and a half. I didn't like sit down and like make it a job and write at it every day. It was when I had a minute, I found honestly that writing became my therapy Mm. in doing all of this. And it was just kind of my outlet for how I felt, having bad days, things like that. So from the time I wrote it to publishing, I don't know, maybe two years. And if you can think about that moment, whenever you open the mailbox and there it was, your first physical copy of this, your name is on the cover and everything. It had to be a really special moment. Can you tell me about that? It was surreal. I'm going to say the picture on the cover actually is a rainbow. And the rainbow, my Casey drew. And so I used it for the artwork. So seeing just, yeah, my name on the book was very surreal. But it was more fun, I think, 
to watch her face when she saw that her artwork was on the front of mom's book. Uh, have you thought about maybe writing and publishing more after this? I actually have. I'm gonna say I've, I got some ideas rolling around out there. I'm going to mm. say it's just I'm the type I say things sometimes, maybe that I shouldn't, but <laughs> that other people don't. And it's just there's a lot that people don't know. And, you know, they're maybe afraid to ask or, you know, it's just it's an educational process is kind of how I'm looking at it. And the more that I can get out there for people to read and the more honest I can be, because it is not a cakewalk when you have someone that's special, you know, and you have good days, you have bad days. But if people are able to see that and understand kind of what you're going through and just know kind of what it's like a little bit, if nothing else, than through reading the book, I think it makes the world a better place for everybody because they might be able to help somebody that they know that has someone special. Well, this is such an important book, and I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by it. It's titled Raising Someone Special. It's written by Tracy Foster Francis, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find it everywhere, so go on to Amazon, or go to Barnes & Noble, or iTunes, or even traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to get this book. Well, Tracy, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about your daughter's story and about this book. I had a nice time talking. Thank you very much. My Theory of Evolution, Life with Meaning. That's the new book. It just hit store shelves. It's written by Will Coakley, and I get to find out all about this book. Will is sitting here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is all mine. Can you tell me what you wrote about in My Theory of Evolution? I wrote about my story, just my life, just my journey through life. And also about my theories about like sports or about like, like the meaning of life, just about different topics that are associated with like how I thought our lives have played out or how I thought like different definitions or things like animals or things of that nature. Yes. Will, what inspired you to write this and have it published? What was the spark? I started writing it in 2017. And it just kind of hit me that I, I just wanted to get my name out there mm-hmm. and get more publicity just to write about my story and my theories and different facts and, like, things about life, just about, like, where I've been in life, like, mostly positive things. I have other books on my computer that I want to release to the public, and my second book should be released in, like, three to six months. Mm. So you're new then. This was your first book ever published. Yes, it is, yes. Congratulations, Will. Did it take you a long time to do? The first book was probably about six months to do, and then after that, it became easier just to like write and to understand how to write an actual book. Mm. And uh, Mark, I went to Newman Publishing, and then he helped me edit my book and to release it to the population. This is a really personal book for you, Will. What was it like when you finally got to hold the first physical copy and you got to see your name on the cover, this thing you've been working on for so long? It was great. I showed it to my mom and my therapist for my mental illness. And they both, uh, I both signed a copy. I showed it to my family, my friends, and then I was able to sell more books in like England or Germany. It was great. Like I have copies of my mom and I've sold a good amount of so far. So yeah, it was great. Fantastic. 
This was your first book, and I'm sure it was quite the learning experience for you, Will. Do you have anything that you learned along the way that you could throw out there as advice for the first-time authors who are listening? First-time advice would be to be patient. And if you get turned down by your first publisher, then it's not that big of a deal. Mm. I would say to write it on Microsoft Word and to make sure that you stand behind the words that you write and make sure that it's accurate as well. When you think back over writing your first book and putting it through the publishing process, Will, what did you find the most challenging part of things for you? I thought the the editing process was the toughest. Mm. Just to remember my stuff that you learned back in school, to understand like the whole like process of actually getting your book out there to the public and the word art and still the whole process of the steps you have to go through to actually get your book published. When you think about the kinds of people that you were speaking to here, Will, did you have a target audience in mind for my theory of evolution? No, it's it ages from like young to like old. Yeah, just no target audience, and men and women, you know, no target audience in, in mind. So your messages then are pretty universal. Everyone can get something from this. Yes, everyone can learn from my experiences. Yes. Uh, Will, writing and publishing a book, man, it's a hard thing to do all by yourself. Did you have people in your life who knew you were doing this and they could be there to kind of have your back and motivate you along the way? There's one woman, Anne, who's my therapist. She helped me out, like, so much. Just I talked to her, like, every week just about, like, life. She helped me out a lot. And also my mom. I would say my, my closest friends, too, just helped me out, like, a whole ton. Well, a lot of times when you're drawn to be a writer, it also means that you like to read as well. Does that describe you? What kind of reader are you? Yeah, I like to read different books about like people's lives or just about like their fiction or nonfiction. Yeah, I read, I probably read like an hour a day. Oh, wow. I think there are a lot of readers out there that are going to be into this book. It's titled My Theory of Evolution, Life with Meaning. It's written by Will Coakley, published by Newman Springs Publishing. And of course, you can get it everywhere. So get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll be able to find this book. Will, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me about your story and about your writing. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. Yeah, I had a great time too. Thank you so much. Sticks and Stones, Full Story Edition. The audiobook just came out of that book written by Chelsea L. DeVries. And Chelsea is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. And I get to find out all about this audiobook. Chelsea, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Corey. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's so exciting that you have this audiobook out Sticks and Stones Full Story Edition. Chelsea, can you tell me all about this? Yeah, this book came about after I worked in a toxic work environment for 10 months, and I was in a really dark place. Hmm. I decided to do a journey into my own mental health and kind of get started with that. And then it led me down a path of self-discovery that ended up where I became late diagnosed with autistic spectrum disorder. So the book tells the story of that experience with themes of mental health, love, and heartbreak through poetry and prose. Oh. Now, Chelsea, what sparked you? What inspired you to sit down, write this book, and get it published? Basically, I was just really in a dark place after leaving that toxic employer. I felt like I had witnessed so many different things that I felt like were not anything that were of a good employer. 
And I felt like I needed to raise awareness to this because I know there's many people out there that struggle with that situation of whether to leave or whether to stay in an employer that doesn't support you. Mm-hmm. There's also the people that struggle with mental health issues, and I wanted to bring that into light as well and try to end the stigma on that. Mm, that's fantastic. Chelsea, when it comes to writing and publishing, is this your first time around? Actually, no. This is my third publication, mm. technically, because when I was actually a teenager, I published two young adult novels. They were young adult romance. Wow. So how long did Sticks and Stones take you to write and get published and have that audiobook produced? Sticks and Stones actually took me about six months to write and publish. And then nine months later, I ended up republishing it. That's why it's called the Full Story Edition, because I ended up writing 41 new poems oh, wow. over a span of like three to four months. And I was just like, oh, well, you know, these should be added to the collection. So I re-put it together, and that's why it's now the Full Story Edition. Hmm. So what was it like hearing your book as opposed to just reading it off the page? Hearing the audiobook read was like an amazing experience. I think Ashton Howen does a great job of reading the book because she gives emphasis to the right pieces and really gives that emotional connection to the words. And I really was proud of the audiobook, and I'm really hoping that people find resonance with the audiobook. Can we maybe expect more books from you in the future, do you think, Chelsea? Yeah, actually, I'm currently doing final edits of the two young adult novels that I decided to take off the market, like probably in around 2015. And I decided to rewrite the books with more of a new adult spin. Hmm. So they're going to be new adult romantic suspense, and that novel should be out maybe next year at the latest. Chelsea, what advice now would you give to the people listening to us who are authors just starting out in this whole world of writing and publishing? What would you tell them? I would tell you to basically don't stop writing, especially if you let people read your writing and they say, oh, this book will never be marketed. I had agents tell me that the book that I'm going to be releasing next is not anything that would be marketable, but I believe that there is a market behind it and I believe in my work. And so I just feel like if you have a passion for writing and the story that you're telling, you shouldn't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. And if you're going to invest in it, that's even better. Like having someone edit it and make sure it's ready for market is also another important aspect to it. I think this audiobook is going to delight so many listeners. Again, it's titled Sticks and Stones, Full Story Edition. This is written by Chelsea L. DeVries. It's published by the Audiobook Network. So, of course, you can get it anywhere, like Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, anywhere you get your audiobooks. Chelsea, it's been great talking, learning all about your work. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you again, Corey. It was great talking with you. Sitting down right next to me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, author Ronnie Jowers. Ronnie, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Thanks, Corey. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad that you had got a new book out in stores right now. It's titled, Well, Not Really. So, Ronnie, what kind of book is this? What did you write here? Well, it's a kid's book. 
It's me with my grandkids at a birthday party, and they start asking me how old I am, and I always like kidding around and pulling their leg and exaggerating. So I start telling them that I'm involved in a lot of historical events from way, way back, some of them ancient times. And they say, my grandfather's name is Baba. So they say, Baba, is that true? And I go, well, not really. And then they say, how old are you? And then I tell them another story. Mm. And eventually I tell them a story that they never have to question, is it true? Because it's always true. And that's how the book ends. Ronnie, how long did this take it to write and get published? It didn't take too long to write because I've been thinking about it for a long, long time because it actually happened at one of my grandkids' birthdays, and it just kind of came that, yeah, this would be fun to do. So writing it came pretty easy. I worked with Christian Faith Publishing and helped give them the illustrations I wanted to go with the wording. So it's taken probably six, seven months or so to get to this point. Hmm. Have you ever done anything like this before, Ronnie, written or published? Actually, I published another book. It's biblical fiction. It came out in the spring of 2023. It's called Even a Shepherd. And so I worked with the same publication specialist at Christian Faith Publishing on that one. Hmm. And then we moved right into this one. So this is my second book that's come out in 2023. Ronnie, when it comes to the publishing process, what did you find the most challenging part of things for you? Well, I worked at Emory University and worked with a lot of communications and all of that. So they were telling me to find an agent, but after finding out biblical fiction didn't sell so well, I decided I needed to self-publish. And then you have to figure out which self-publishing firm you want to use. And that's very hard because you could fill up a big house with all the dot-coms of self-publishing companies. But when I found Christian Bay Publishing, I liked their process and all of that. But the old saying that it's harder to get a book published than it is to write it, I think is very true. You have to learn a lot of patience, and you have to learn that many times things don't multitask. They just have to go in sequential order, and you want to speed it up, but you just have to learn the process. And when that day came, Ronnie, and you got your first copy in, you get to hold your book for the first time that you've been working on for so long. What kind of a moment is that like for you? Well, there's a lot of pride in it. There's a lot of feeling of accomplishment. And there's the knowledge you can say, I'm an author. Mm. And then you just hope that people get it and read it and have a lot of smiles. And in this case, share it with their kids or grandkids and have fun. And the kids will learn a little something, but also hear some exaggerated tales about how old somebody is. (laughs) And just have some fun with it. Ronnie, we have a lot of people listening to us right now who are authors who are just starting out in this whole thing. So based on everything that you learned along the way of writing and publishing your books, do you have any advice that you could offer? Well, I questioned many, many years. My biblical fiction has probably been in my head for 30 years. So Mm. I thought it out and all of that. When I retired, I finally had the time to do it. But surround yourself with people and ask them if they think it's a story worth telling. And then you just have to do the research, just commit yourself to it. You'll question yourself many times, is this worth doing and so forth. But you'll get a lot of satisfaction out of it just knowing you did it. And then if one person gets your book and reads it and tells you that it was meaningful to them or they enjoyed it, quite frankly, Corey, that's worth it all. Mm. You'll just get a lot of satisfaction of knowing you touched somebody. 
I know a lot of people are really going to love this book. Again, the title is, well, not really. It's written by Ronnie Jowers, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ronnie, thanks again for joining me here on the show, telling me about Well, Not Really. I had a nice time talking. Corey, thank you for this opportunity, and I hope people enjoy Well, Not Really. It may not have been easy, but was absolutely perfect. A mother's story of her son's passing. That's the new book in stores now, written by Sharon Graham. And right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about this book. Sharon is right here with me. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. This is a great honor. It's a great honor to have you here and to be talking about this book. It may not have been easy, but was absolutely perfect. Sharon, can you tell me all about this? Sure. The book is about my son. His name is Dalen, and he passed away in a car accident. Mm. It's a story that actually goes minute by minute through the account that transpired, and it talks about the donor process, our family's journey, and mostly it's about the miracles that have happened and our faith with our Heavenly Father. Mm. Sharon, what sorts of readers were you speaking to here? Well, probably within a day that my son passed, I had the impression that I needed to write the book. And so my target audience is really anyone that's ever had a loved one that's passed on. So my prayer was that maybe through our trial, that they would be able to see miracles that could have happened in their experience. They would maybe pause for a minute and look at the peace that they were given. So it was really, it's really meant for anyone that's experienced a loss and that there is good that comes from it, as hard as it is, but it's still amazing. It can be an amazing experience. Mm. I could imagine this was a difficult thing for you to write, Sharon. Did this take you a really long time to finish? So my goal was to have it done in a year. And during that time, my husband retired. Our daughter got married and we moved. So there was a lot of distractions. So it actually took me one day before the second year anniversary to finish writing the book. And I was pretty proud of that. I've never been a writer, never thought I would be a writer. And so I was pretty amazed that I got it done in that time. But I just I knew I had to do it. And I knew that I was being inspired to also pass along my message. Now, Sharon, can you tell me about that moment when you got the first one in? You got to hold this book in your hands for the first time. What was that like for you? So my husband and I are currently serving missions for our church. And so I'm actually in Louisiana on a mission. And so I work in the office, and I got a box, and I was like, oh, what's this? And I opened the box, and I took a little big sigh, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is my book. And I held it up, and I started cracking it, and then I just cried. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure that you learned an awful lot along the way of writing and publishing. There's so much involved. Did you have any advice, anything that you picked up that you could throw out there for the aspiring authors who are listening? Well, again, I never thought that I would be an author. And writing a book means that you're very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We have to allow experiences and feelings of others and try to portray those. The hardest part about writing the book was actually the writing. The visually, I could see exactly what was supposed to lay out and where it was supposed to go. But it was really hard editing, and it was really a long process going through the company and, you know, just trying to get it where I wanted it. It took two and a half years for editing alone. So Mm, 
two years to write it, and then another two and a half. So that was probably the hardest part. Sharon, do you see yourself doing this again maybe in the future, writing more, getting more published? Well, there are actually a few books that I have thought of, and it usually comes from someone that I know that is going through a major traumatic experience. Mm. And so I have a friend right now dealing with cancer, but her daughter died of cancer. And so I just think that when someone is going through those hard times, when they're able to have a perspective that Heavenly Father's there and He cares, those are sometimes pretty amazing stories. Mm. Well, I know that this book is going to really help and encourage so many people. I encourage everybody listening right now to go check this one out. It's called It May Not Have Been Easy, But Was Absolutely Perfect, A Mother's Story of Her Son's Passing. It's written by Sharon Graham, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And of course, you can get it anywhere, so go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and even traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to get this book. Sharon, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about your story and about this book. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Anytime. I would be honored. Thank you. This is the story of one man's determination and a testament to the power of the human spirit. It's the new novel by David B. Roach. It's called One Sad Universe. And we get to talk all about this book right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. David is here with me. David, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you. Thanks very much. You know, I really believe that almost anyone, really anyone can become an author if they want to be. Mm. If they really try and they, and they really apply themselves. You know, I'm an Ohio State grad, and I have a master's degree from uh, Central Michigan University, but you don't have to have a whole long arm list full of degrees. Anybody mm. who really applies themselves can do it. Several years ago, more years than I care to think about, I really started, uh, I guess it was almost a hobby, so studying about screenwriting. I have, I'm looking at a whole shelf full uh, load of books on screenwriting. Well, that didn't go anywhere, but it, it did have a, a major benefit for me. It made me a better writer. Hmm. So about a year and a half ago, I decided, well, why don't I try writing a novel? I love it. So, David, this is fantastic. Your very first novel. And I, I love what this says about it. It says, what would you do if you found yourself in another universe? And I'm already hooked. I'm already <laughs> hooked, David. Uh, what's this all about? Can you give me a flavor for what we were in store for? Assuming that parallel uh, universes exist, and I don't even at all sure that they do. I'm not a big believer in that myself. But if they do exist, there have to be a, a lot of parallels, right? For myself in this book, I accomplished that by making just a few people resemble other individuals in the other universe. Hmm. Problem is, the similarity ends there. And they are really different, and everything about the other universe is really different. And that, hence, that's the title, One Sad Universe. That's not our universe. That is their universe. Ah, oh, got it. The protagonist in my story, he gets depressed. I even talk about that in the, in the book. He gets mm. uh, has the periods of depression, but he never loses his optimism. And that really is the theme of the story. If it constant effort and keep up an optimistic viewpoint that you know, at the end, everything will work out, you will be successful. And he gets a lot of, like I say in the notes about the book, I have some uh, very surprising, unexpected help that occurs. And I don't want to spoil <laughs> anybody's uh, reading of it because it is a short novel. It is short. How long did this take you to write, David, once you sat down and got at it? Uh, what kind of a time frame are we looking at? I probably got the entire thing done with a lot of rewriting in, in uh, two or th about three months. 
Yeah, not too bad. I've already spent three times that much on my new book. (laughs) (laughs) What did you find the most challenging part about the writing or the publishing process? Well, don't get me started on the publishing, but the writing, writing is rewriting. Mm. And I haven't even mentioned that I was a former high school English teacher. I really tried to uh, you know, hit him over the head with that. <laughs> writing is rewriting. You know, it's just so easy to ignore that. And it's, it means uh, so much that you can always think of a better way to say something more concise, succinct, and everything else. The unexpected benefit to studying screenwriting, when I wrote the book, I said, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> and the 50-page book is, is full of action. I have lots and lots of action. Would you do it again? You think maybe you'll have a follow-up to this one or doing some other kind of writing? Well, absolutely. In fact, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And let me tell you real quickly, one of the authors I really respect and I like reading is, is, is Fitzgerald. That's Scott Fitzgerald. Mm, wonderful, yeah. And he is so concise and brief, you know, succinct, you know, just right to the point, right? Well, I try, and, and One Small Universe really tries to echo that. I don't have nearly Fitzgerald's talent, not even a tenth of it, <laughs> but I really try to echo that so much more than in my forthcoming book in about hopefully in four to six months called, are you ready, Getting Harry to Mars. From what I understand, traditional publishers really want you to write a series of books. You know, get one on one topic right. I am not, that is not my cup of tea at all. I could not write a series of books. Now, having said that, both in the One Sad Universe and the Harry book, the main characters each are cousins to each other. The new one is set about 2034, where the universe is set in the current day. I think a lot of readers are going to be into this book, and I encourage everyone out there to check this one out. It's titled One Sad Universe. It's written by David B. Roach and published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find it anywhere, like Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. David, thank you again for joining me here on the show and telling me about this book. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Is God listening even during our toughest times? Well, this book we're talking about now offers some words of encouragement. It's titled, John 17 and the Power of Prayer, a study of the prayer of Jesus in the fourth gospel. This is written by Judith A. Deal, and Judy is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about this book. Judy, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Can you tell me what readers will find here, Judy, when they open up John 17 and the power of prayer? This book is basically about prayer, not necessarily how to pray, but who to pray to. Hmm. A prayer should be a joyous connection. A loving, living God is talking to us and with us through the Holy Spirit. Prayer seems really complicated, but actually we are worshiping with a whole team. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's kind of what this book is about. Hmm. Judy, what gave you the idea? What inspired you to write this? Well, years ago, I, I went to Scotland to get a PhD in the New Testament, and I wrote my doctoral dissertation. They call it a doctoral thesis in Scotland. But I wrote my thesis on John 17. And there were some epithets, what we call titles, within that prayer that really puzzled me that Jesus refers to his father as the Holy Father and the Righteous Father. And I kind of skipped over all this when I was doing my dissertation, but it always kind of bothered me. It kind of sat on the back burner of my research and my theories. 
And I really wanted to figure out why John used those titles for God. And so that spurred a lot of research and, and information about the Father God, about the Son, about the Holy Spirit, who's referred to in John's Gospel as the Paraclete. And he refers to him nowhere else like that. Judy, once you started writing this, how long of a process was this until it got out there for people? Well, it was certainly a long time thinking about it and, <laughs> and researching it. But I probably started writing it a couple of years before it really went to the publisher. And when it finally came in, after it was all done and the physical copy was ready, you're finally holding this in your hands. And you look at it, your name's on the cover and everything. What was that moment like? Well, it's, it is exhilarating. It's a feeling of relief. <laughs> hey, it's done. It's a feeling of gratitude, you know, that I know that I didn't work on this all by myself, that there was some divine help all the way along. And so I was very grateful. I was very relieved and very exhilarated, you know, just excited about seeing it. Hmm. You talked about having some divine help there along the way, Judy. Were there other people in your life who knew you were doing this and they could be there to help you out or at least encourage and motivate you? Well, yes, yeah, certainly my husband, probably most of all, because we lived together <laughs> and he was with me all the time experiencing my ups and my downs. And he was always there to encourage me and to help me see that there was an end. There was light at the end of the tunnel. Judy, do you think you would do it again? Do you see yourself writing and publishing more? I do. You know, in a lot of ways, it's not right around the corner for me, but one of the things that I fully believe is that God calls us to do things, and I believe that I was called to do this book because it would not let me go. So if God calls me to do something else, then I will do it. What would you say was the most challenging part about the whole process for you? I would think probably the actual physical editing, rereading, rewriting, changing, grammar. I'm an English major in my undergrad. And so there's a real part of me that wants to make sure that the words say what I want them to say. So it's just a pick and shovel kind of editing process to make sure that that comma is in the right place, to make sure that that scripture is correct. You know, that the whole physical part of writing is a challenge. Well, I think so many people will be blessed by the pages of this book and ought to check it out. It's titled John 17 and the Power of Prayer. A Study of the Prayer of Jesus in the Fourth Gospel. This is written by Judith A. Deal. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere. So get on Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, get on iTunes, or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop, and you'll be able to find this book. Judy, it's been wonderful talking with you here tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Corey. I really appreciate the interview. This book encourages readers to seek God and His purpose for their lives. It's titled Church and Compromise, and the author, Bishop Jeffrey E. Battle Sr., is right here with me now, and we're going to talk all about this book. Bishop Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. The pleasure's all mine. Uh, Bishop, what can readers expect when they open up Church and Compromise? Well, what they can expect is to be able to be led down a direction that actually is what I call the truth of God versus some of the compromised conversation and compromised teachings that's going on. And so this brings it back. You'll get a load of what the Scripture says instead of what a lot that man says. 
Bishop, what inspired you to sit down and start this book? What sparked you to do it? Well, I was looking one day reading my Bible and ran across Ezekiel 22 and 30. And that verse says that, you know, it says, so I sought, you know, for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. And that always told me that God has continued to look for someone to stand in the gap and continue to see things going on. He wants somebody to step up and say something. So that provoked me to be that person. Hmm. How long did it take you then to get this written and then put it through all those publishing hoops? It was about two years. What did you find the most challenging part about the whole thing? Most of it was, for me, my way of writing it, I would record what was in my mind and when I would read and I would record myself and then I would have my wife transcribe the notes and then I would go back and I would continue to confirm it with the scripture to make sure that I wasn't giving a lot of my opinion, but I was giving what the Word said. Hmm. And when it comes to writing and publishing, Bishop, have you ever done anything like this before? No, this was my first one. Wow. Well, congratulations. It's such a big deal. You know, so many people say, yeah, someday I'm going to write a book. Most of them don't. (laughs) So that's great that you put it out there and you got it done. What was it like when that first copy came in the mail and you got to hold this physical thing for the first time? Man, you know, I was, you know, excited because, you know, it was something finally that I felt I completed that God wanted me to do because I think we spend the majority of our lives, if you, you know, if you're Christian and you believe in God, that we spend most of our time putting our request out to Him. Mm-hmm. And so it's finally I felt like I did something from Him and I had proof of it in my hand. Looking down the road, Bishop, do you see yourself writing and publishing more? Oh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm working on another one now. Oh, fantastic. Is it a kind of continuation of Church and Compromise, or are you exploring other things? No, it is a, it's a continuation, and actually uh, the continuation of it, it, it goes off of the last chapter in the book. And when I was writing, I came to that point where I got down to it, and I thought about, you know what, I want to pick up right from here because I felt like I had said everything that I needed to say, but it was just taking me somewhere. And so now I've gotten to that place where, you know, I see where it's taking me. So I'm going to write, be able to come up and write the next one. And I'm going to, you know, have it, it's going to be the title. The last chapter of this one will be the title of the next book. So many people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. So based on what you've learned doing this, Bishop, do you have any advice that you could tell them? Yeah, I would just say to really, if whatever is your passion that you have in you, the desire that you have, trust it when you start putting it on paper and not leave it subject to somebody else's opinion or change. It's the reason that it's put in you, and you should feel very comfortable and confident with sharing what you have in yourself. Being your first book, what's the most rewarding aspect now for you of being a published author, Bishop? Well, it's that that I realized that I have established a platform and an accomplishment that I can be able to share these things, you know, that's very near and dear to my heart. Of course, this is the audio book. I think listeners, readers will be very encouraged when they pick it up. It's titled Church and Compromise. It's written by Bishop Jeffrey E. Battle, Sr., and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So get it on Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, everywhere you go for your audiobooks. Bishop, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about your work. I had a really nice time talking tonight. Thank you so much, and the pleasure's all mine. 
The Terrible, Terrible Tiger. This is a wonderful book written by Robin Wobbly Ann Davis, who unfortunately passed away in 2019. But her husband, Lloyd Davis, is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk about Robin. We're going to talk about the terrible, terrible tiger. Lloyd, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're welcome, and thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. So, Lloyd, first of all, can you tell me about Robin, her life, and about this book, how it came into being? Yeah, well, Robin was my second wife. She passed away, as you said, before 2019. She grew up in Orem, Utah, and her dad was a fireman. And so when they were little kids, her dad told her and her siblings stories. You know, he, just made, he made them up, you know, they go to bed and whatever and that, and whenever they wanted the stories. And the terrible, terrible tiger was my wife's favorite childhood story her dad made up and told her. Mm. And all the siblings were told that story. And, and Robin, we were married for 21 years, and she decided that she wanted to have, write this book and dedicate, based on her dad's story, she told them to and, and dedicate it to her dad, who had passed away near 2000. So that's what the whole thing's about. Now, when Robin got to work on this and wrote this book, was she an experienced author at all, or was she new to this? No. Her first book. And she just loved the story so much, and she wanted to honor her father and get it started, the book published. So, mm. Would you say this is a book for younger children, or could a little older children enjoy this as well? I'd say more, I'd say a little older children, maybe, you know, I mean, ages seven, six, seven, five above, you know. It's really, it's really written towards children in the languages. So I'd say, as long as they can understand what the words mean, it's good for them. I mean, I don't really know age-wise, but I'm sure five, I'm not to be great for them. Five years old or up. Do you know, was Robin planning on maybe writing more after this and getting more out there? No, this is the only one she wanted to do. She just wanted to get this mm -hmm. book. She felt just a need and a deep desire to have this done because she loved her father dearly. And when he passed away, she wanted to do something to honor him. And this book was her way of honoring him. And that's all she wanted to do, do this and then just go on with her life. Were you the one who took Robin's book then through the whole publishing process? Yes, I am. When my wife, Robin, passed away, she had it written, but she could never find an illustrator. They really got stuff back to her in time. So she was working on she all the text done. But I decided when she passed away, I need to do this for her. So it is my mission, it was a goal, to have Robin's book published in honor of her. And so I got illustrations done, the whole process. It was my way of honoring Robin because I want to get this done for her. She wanted to be a published author, have this story out there, and I want to make it happen for her. You know, she passed away. Hmm. Of course, it's out in audiobook format now. So, Lloyd, what was it like hearing this book as opposed to reading it off the page? I tell you, hearing it, I didn't write it, but hearing it really just brought it to life to me. Mm. I read the words and I edited a little bit of the words with page publishing, but hearing it come being read just came to life. That's what, that's what I can describe it. It just came to life for me. Mm. I feel it went very well, and Robin would have been proud of it. And it was amazing. I had a female reader who read it, and it was awesome. It was very, very well done. I just, I'm going to be prouder of it. Lloyd, when you think about everything that you did in the publishing process, what part of it would you say was the most challenging for you? I guess the whole it was just getting illustrations down. Mm. They gave me several options. Some I didn't like, some I did like. I just, it was getting illustrations right or correct was what was difficult for me, most difficult, because I wanted to be not cheesy, you know what I mean? Mm. But I wanted to be also that young kids could appreciate them and like them and love them and that. And so it appealed to the younger audience, I, I should say. And that was difficult. But I think I found really good illustrations that fit really well. Fantastic. A lot of people listening to us right now, Lloyd, are authors who are just starting out in this whole world of writing and publishing. Do you have anything that you picked up along the way of publishing this that you could throw out as advice? 
Well, when, I tell you, with public, with Robin's book, I mean, and my book, the number one advice I can say is I learned along the way is be true to your why. Why you're writing your book? What is it? What's your gut down the bottom gut feeling? Your bottom line of why you're writing the book? Just keep in touch with that. And if you do that, it's hard to stray off. Right? I mean, you can't go off in the weeds sometimes, which I have in my book. But just stay committed to that, and that can see you really through, and just stay the course. It's great advice. I know a lot of readers are going to be touched by the pages of this book. It's titled The Terrible, Terrible Tiger. It's written by Robin Wobblyan Davis, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So pick it up anywhere where you get your audiobooks, like Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, everywhere. Well, Lloyd, thank you again for taking your time to tell me about Robin's wonderful book. I had a nice time talking. Me too. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do this, and I'm so grateful for it. Appreciate it. I have a book here with me now that says it brings together prophecy in the Bible. It's titled, Behind the Closed Doors, Truth to be Known. Now, this is written by Walter N. Pirelius, and we get to talk all about this book right now. Walter is here with me. Walter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's all my pleasure. Walter, can you tell me all about what we can find in Behind the Closed Doors? Well, it's a combination of different things that are going on in the world, in the United States and the United Nations, and what they have plans for the future. The United Nations involves 193 countries, and they want to develop a, a global control type way in, in the world. And what's going on now is they have a 2030-year sustainable development goals they want to have set done by that time. But there's also prophecy in the Bible about a one-world government. And so that basically starts bringing all that together, and it has actual documented evidence of what is actually going on, and the book shows all these documents of what they're doing and all the breakdown of what's happening with the United Nations. Hmm. Walter, what inspired you to sit down and write this book? I noticed certain things going on way back when Clinton was in office in regards to the Fair Trade Act that he was doing, and it kind of drew some attention to me. And then uh, I kind of let that go. I did a couple of writings on that. And then when President Obama was in effect, there was a lot mentioned about all these different meetings that I had with the United Nations. So I, I wanted to kind of dig in and see what they were meeting about. Mm. And the more I dug in, the more things I found. And then the last few years, I got digging deeper into all these different things that were going on and found actual documents of how they're setting things up with the World Health and with the postal services, with the airlines, with the Society for Humanity, and a whole bunch of other areas that they have. So it just kind of drew me to start putting all these things together. Hmm. Now, I would imagine, considering all the research and the digging that you were doing, Walter, this must have taken a long time for you to write and publish. Am I right? Yeah, it took me a while to write it because I also am active the generation. So <laughs> typing on the computer, I had to take time out to rest my eyes, you know. So. And at my age, I, I think I did pretty good because, you know, I'm 71 years old. Is this your first published work then? Yes, yes. Oh, congratulations. Walter, you got to tell me about the day when this finally came in the mail and you finally got to hold your first one after all that time. What was that like? That was great. The publisher's really good, Christian Faith Publishing. They not only sent me my first copy, they sent me a box with 10 copies in it, mm. which was really nice. I had my friends kind of review it to, you know, just double check things in the book. But it was kind of a unique thing, experience. And I got to show people the real odd copy of what's going on. So it was really good. What are the chances that we might see another book from you in the future, Walter? 
I am working on that. I'm thinking I might. I'm not sure what direction I'm going to go, but I, I, I am thinking about that. But this next one might be more religious, a religious type book. I think the Holy Spirit led me into writing this initial book that I wrote. And I think there's some Christian books I think I'd like to write. Hmm. Considering everything you picked up along the way of writing and publishing your first book, Walter, do you have any advice now that you can offer to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? Yeah, I think for the aspiring offices, is just, just stay committed to what you're doing hmm. and make up rough drafts. Make up rough drafts that you can set aside and then decide how you want to place them in the book and then kind of design them to kind of fall together in an order type situation so they melt together well. I think that people will find that there's a lot of avid readers out there and with the ebook situation, it makes even things a lot better. But stay committed. I mean, if I can do it at 70 years old, then I think anybody can do it if they really set their mind to it. And don't give up. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Because I had a lot of people tell me I couldn't do it. And so stay with it. It's really great advice. Now, Walter, when you think about now being a published author, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of that? Hopefully people see the message that's inside the book. That's the most rewarding thing is that there's some important information for people that they can receive out of this book. And, and I hope that people become aware of what of things that are going on. I think a lot of readers are going to be into this book. It's titled Behind the Closed Doors, Truth to be Known. It's written by Walter N. Perelius, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can pick it up everywhere, like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Walter, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.